This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So Sarah, today is a very special episode. And why? Why is it such a special day for all of you listening? I'm honestly in shock, if I'm going to be honest. But we've been doing this for a year. A whole year. We have 60 episodes out now. I cannot believe We've been doing this for a whole year. I know. It's crazy. And it's so crazy how much this has grown and how much we have grown and how oh, much yeah. angrier I've become. <laughs> <laughs> An angry feminist. <laughs> Well, the thing was, when we started this, when Sarah had the idea for this podcast, she just called me up and was like, I have all these thoughts I need to get off my chest. And I was like, okay, let's just do something for fun and see how it goes. And then things evolved. (laughs) It took off and we got so much more serious about it. We got y'all who have been listening to it, have been, you know, chatting with us about how much it's meant to you and what you've learned from it. And then, you know, we've been able to learn from that. And it's been amazing. And honestly, at this point in the podcast sarah and i are both very seriously interested in going back to school for feminist studies but <laughs> we both recognize that they would just make us read the stuff we're already reading for a grade and pay big money to do that <laughs> when we can just keep doing this podcast and so if you're listening along with us hopefully you are also getting your feminist master's degree along with us <laughs> We started this because we were angry about the stigmatization of being a fangirl. And obviously, for those of you who have been here from the beginning or who have found us and then listened to our back catalog, we've definitely moved far away from that. But also, that's still at the core of all of the discussions, really. But <laughs> it just got to the point where we we're like, we need facts to back up all this stuff. And there's so much psychology and so much behind it. And there's so much more to it than what we initially thought there's so much stigmatization against anything that women do or like or are interested in or just like breathe near like if a woman's standing near something oh no suddenly it's a problem and I think that also the past couple years fangirl has become such a buzzword and such a thing that people are focused on that it's like taking away from the fact that this is a feminist issue and it's just turned into something else completely yeah I think we've been we've been able to grow and recognize where there are more or faults that we can call out beyond just fangirls and boy bands. So I'm so proud of us. <laughs> I'm so proud of you guys for sticking with us <laughs> this long. Thank you for sticking <laughs> with us this long. I mean, to echo Jenna, like, we're just so thankful that you guys come and you listen to us yell every week impassioned yelling researched yelling and that you've really joined in on this community and that we've been able to get to know a decent amount of our listeners and we know what you guys are interested in and that's just so cool how many really smart and interesting people that we've been able to connect with because of this podcast like it's just incredible and 
for those of you who think that like, we don't see you or know, it's like you leave one comment and we're talking about it all week because yeah. you guys are so smart and so insightful. And it's just so incredible. Like, I feel incredibly honored every single day that such intelligent people are listening to me yell. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> No, likewise, likewise, for sure. We've yeah, we've just been able to have so many amazing conversations with so many of you who are being critical thinkers and it makes our hearts flutter. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of that, we're actually going to read some recent comments that we got on our Instagram because you guys felt really passionate about the episode we did called Like a Virgin When Pop Stars Become Women. And it was essentially talking about people like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera going up to, you know, today with Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish and when they're sexualized and from what age and what that looks like. And today's episode, we're talking about objectification versus empowerment. So it overlaps a lot. And we wanted to read some of the great comments that you guys left. I'm just going to apologize now if I pronounce your name wrong. I'm really sorry. I'm going to do my best. So we got a comment from at Marcia LaFortune photo on Instagram. And Marcia says, thank you for addressing such important issues in the music industry. I really liked this episode. Although we evolve as human beings because of our experiences, among other things, I still think that men still control the narrative, making us believe that young female artists have more power now while they know that at the end of the day, sex sells. I think that they use Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato's bodies to sell records and magazines. Both of these female artists were at vulnerable places in their lives, in the revival and confident eras. As for Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish, I feel like they're not falling into the trap because they have strong family unit that has a foot in the business. I'm optimistic that women are more empowered than ever and it's by educating ourselves that we can be more aware of our surroundings and situations and break cycles. That's why a podcast like yours is so important. I really liked this comment and I thought that it was really interesting. And as we're going to be going into when we finally get into the episode today, men still do control the narrative. And that's a lot of why we see these female artists leaning so far into the sexual that it for other women no longer feels like it's an act of empowerment and more so feels like it's an act of like falling into exactly what the men want but I think that as we've grown as women and as we've become more aware of things especially over the past like 10-ish years of just like feminism moving forward I think that women have become more aware that when women go that far into the like male gaze idea of how women should be sexy we're no longer doing it to actually just be like well this is what you wanted it's more so like haha you thought you were in charge but men don't realize that that's what we're doing like we're way smarter than these men think that they are yeah and we're definitely gonna pack a lot of that on today's episode with a lot of psychology help. I do think it's also interesting that they point out that, you know, Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish had a strong family unit. And as we mentioned, even in our last episode about mid 2000s reality stars and actresses, there does seem to be some common factors among people who, you know, don't have family support or aren't Hollywood families, not having those support structures in place and them being Mm -hmm. more vulnerable to the savage side of the media and the world at large. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in a lot of different episodes, but the amount of times when you look deeper into the backgrounds of these artists who have been taken advantage of, so who've signed bad deals or haven't been able to get out of shitty 
situations or who have felt the need to go above and beyond a lot of the times it's because they have no industry know-how like with Selena and Demi they started at such a young age that I think in some way you're getting taught to just say yes like just do what the people around you tell you to do because your parents don't know the industry and you're so young and they're just like oh well they're young and they're permeable so we can teach them how to do this exactly how we want them to so that they're always falling in line into those patriarchal norms so when you do have these artists who have family with industry know-how or who have like a more secure family unit you find these women who kind of laugh in the face of the patriarchy in a way where they're like I'm going to do this on my own terms and handle it how I want yeah and I think it's really interesting for us to be able to to look at these different examples and see what we can learn from each of these people to bring into our own lives. So we had another really interesting comment and this is where like when we say at the end of the episodes that we want to hear your thoughts and if we missed anything out like we mean it because Jenna and I don't know everything (laughs) like we have our main focuses of music that we've been interested in and since starting this podcast our knowledge has definitely expanded but there's still a ton of room for us to learn new things and so we had instagram user riddle on her mind comment again in regards to our episode like a virgin when pop stars become women and they commented i think things are changing to a degree i think that part of why the same conversations about female pop stars keep getting rehashed is a matter of who's given more autonomy within the industry which is something that was touched on in this episode i also think it involves cultural amnesia and people picking and choosing who gets acknowledged and why there's some pressure to be sexy but there's also still gatekeeping about who's allowed to access their sexuality and still have it seen as somewhat acceptable. Janet Jackson wasn't a Disney kid, but her trajectory was fairly similar to a few of the pop acts discussed in this episode. Janet was a child star with a girl next door image, as much of one that famous black girls were allowed to have in the 70s and 80s, but that's another conversation, who crossed over into music and started out with a bubblegum image, but eventually transitioned to a more edgy sexual direction and had to deal with people trying to box her in. I think it's weird that she wasn't mentioned in a conversation that basically revolves around the template she established and navigated within her own career. While Madonna's image did become more sexual with time, she was already an adult when she became a household name and didn't have to navigate sex and maturity the same way bubblegum child slash teen stars like Janet, Britney, Christina, etc. have. The like a virgin thing was iconic and controversial for sure, but Madonna giving a VMA performance as a former unknown didn't create the same type of waves as the topless Penny Woods, Charlene Dupree, Cleo Hewitt, on the cover of Rolling Stone with a man's hands holding up her breasts. I think there are at least three different conversations that could be had about female pop stars owning their sexuality based on how old they were when they became famous, how they became famous, and using an intersectional lens to talk about what's considered acceptable sexuality for stars of different races and genders. Dua, Lana, and Madonna weren't starting in the same position as Britney, Miley, or Christina. None of these women were starting in the same position as Janet or Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, just yeah to all of it. No, this is like so many great points were brought up in this. Yeah, and I think that just in context also for the reason why we focused on Madonna as an older example rather than Janet Jackson in that episode was to give context to the Britney and Christina situation because of the three of their VMA performance and how that has such a hold on pop culture history. Because we do have to remember that our audience ranges in age from literally like 14 to 56 (laughs) and even older. And so we have very 
varying levels of knowledge of music history. And so sometimes we do have to rehash moments that might live in our heads rent free. But for a lot of our younger audience, they weren't even alive when that happened. And so we have to call to attention moments and like talk about them more in depth than I think we would normally if we were just talking to a group of our peers. And also, I do think your point about culture amnesia is really interesting of, I mean, even when we're reading, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes like when we are reading articles for the research today, a lot of them mentioned Madonna and not a lot of them mentioned Janet Jackson. And so I do totally understand where you're coming from with this intersectional feminist lens of in what ways are white women allowed their sexuality that black women are not and as we mentioned you know there are places where we want to continue learning and i think you know a case study on janet jackson is definitely one of those people just like a case study on beyonce is absolutely you know something on our bucket list to cover as well yeah and i mean in our episode about the most criticized women in pop where we talked about janet jackson briefly but we did speak about her we talked about the way that she was sexual compared to the way other artists are sexual and how that separated her from other female pop acts but i think unfortunately the 2004 Super Bowl moment put a huge black spot over Janet Jackson to the point where even nowadays when people are writing articles rather than focusing on Janet who I agree definitely should be more of a focal point than Madonna people focus on Madonna because Madonna doesn't have this elephant in the room moment that you feel like you can't ignore when I feel like it's very possible to just take the Super Bowl narrative out of the story of Janet Jackson and talk about her career prior to that but I mean as we talked about in that episode that Super Bowl moment very much put a shadow over everything else and made people sort of forget how much of an impact and how important Janet Jackson has been to pop music in general so at Riddle on Her Mind thank you so much for leaving this comment it definitely made us think about a lot of things it made us think a lot about what we can do moving forward for episodes so if any of you guys also have thoughts or comments about the episode we are always 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 love to hear it love to engage in these types of discussions so when you're done listening to this episode don't forget to go throw us a follow on instagram and twitter we're at name three songs where we can engage more in the comments and have more discourse and if you want to have even more discourse you can come hang out on our patreon community where we have a discord we have bonus episodes we have lots of extra content so you can feel more involved in the community and more involved in the episode making process and also joining our patreon community helps us to afford to keep doing these episodes for y'all because the more of you joining us on patreon the more time and effort we can put into these episodes learn more things buy more books do more cool stuff because we can take time away from our nonsense jobs that we don't like doing (laughs) (laughs) very true all right so sarah now what is the episode that we're getting into today we're talking about the objectification of women and what it really means to women to feminism when we objectify ourselves but like that feels like the wrong terminology but in all of these psychology things that we were reading it's like this is what happens when women objectify themselves and i feel like we're at this point now where it's like this is what happens when women step into their sexuality and empower themselves and so that's That's just how quickly I think that even psychology can date itself. 
because of how fast the times have been moving lately. That is a good point. So essentially what we're talking about today is objectification versus empowerment. And we are going to spend the entire episode getting into the psychology of things and pulling in our favorite music examples to support or debate what is going on with psychology. As you know, we love to do some psychology. We haven't done any in a minute. And there was so much to unpack here. Like the amount of hours we spent reading psychology for this episode, I feel like (laughs) I'm a doctorate of psychology now. And the thing with psychology is, is that I feel like whenever people are like, oh, I'm going to see a therapist, like I need to have some psychology on my brain. We're always expecting them to have answers, but it's never answers. It's just always like a well thought out explanation as to what is happening to you, but never how to fix it. Yeah. And I mean, it's not psychology's job to fix it, but I feel like <laughs> there's like I feel like at this point there should be some forward momentum. But we have articles ranging from like 2006 up until like this year. And it's just the same thing over and over and over again, which is we live in a patriarchal society. So therefore, women will always be evil. Like that's the underlying theme here, no matter what is going on. <laughs> it's just like it's wild. It's so wild. It really is. And, you know, when I was doing this research, Sarah and I were both so fascinated that we just kept reading all of this information. So we wanted to kick things off, of course, with some definitions. So in 2006, the American Psychological Association created a task force on the sexualization on the sexualization of girls. And they define sexualization as occurring when a person's value comes only from his or her sexual appeal or behavior to the exclusion of other characteristics. And when a person is sexually objective objectified or made into a thing for another's sexual use. I hate it here. Okay, so lately I have been big mad at the amount of people using the word fetish because I think a lot of people are using the word (laughs) wrong. And this definition of sexualization is what I think people mean when they say fetish. And they're two different things and people are co-opting the word fetish when they shouldn't. I think you're 100% correct based off of the conversations we've been having. Because, well, so Jenna and I behind the scenes have been having these really long discourses about why there is this focus on fetishization right now and what it really means and how it goes hand in hand with a lot of stuff. But also I feel like we're at this point in history where people want to use angrier words to describe things. Yeah. So when people are sexualizing somebody, they're like, no, you're fetishizing that person. And it's like, you can't really fetishize a person. You can fetishize like where a person's from (laughs) or like the idea of something. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's really confusing because it's like, for an example, it's like Harry Styles isn't a fetish. You're sexualizing Harry Styles. Yeah. Like you can't have a Harry Styles fetish because there's only one Harry Styles. By definition, I actually looked up the difference between a kink and a fetish. And by definition, a fetish is something that has to be present in order for you to be sexually aroused. Harry Styles does not have to be present. (laughs) Having your boyfriend dress up like Harry Styles is a kink, not a fetish. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) but with that being said the thing that is frustrating with sexualization is that the idea of sexualization feels like something that you should be giving consent to do because you're being objectified (laughs) but i guess in the same sense like objectification is not a consensual act and so this task force that was put together by the american psychological association went and discovered some findings of where sexualization is most prevalent. And of course, as we've made very clear, 
year in our podcast over the past year, women and girls are more likely than men and boys to be objectified. But we have these situations, of course, where in the media, you're seeing portrayals of adult women that are overly sexualized, but they're fed to younger girls. So you have things where a show will take place in high school, but they're doing things that high schoolers aren't necessarily usually actually doing. And it's also they're usually portrayed by 20 something year olds. Like if you watch Riverdale. Yeah, no. Prime example, Riverdale. (laughs) Riverdale is a prime example of this is an adult soap opera masquerading as a teen drama. And there's so much sex and so much overt sexual behavior that I don't understand how a teen or a preteen watching this can't come away and have the feeling that if I'm not having sex, I'm doing high school wrong. Yeah. 100%. And so what we see is what they're calling modeling of young teens seeing how adults are acting and then modeling their behaviors after that. And modeling their behaviors, their ideas of themselves and their identities after what they're seeing in the media. And this is the thing, and we've talked about this in other episodes, it's like when you're young, it's so easy to feel like you need to follow suit of what you're seeing in the media. And I think that that's why people in my generation, we had such issues with eating disorders and why right now, like the body positivity movement is such a big thing is because everybody that we were seeing in the media weighed like five pounds. And so everybody was like, that's what we're supposed to look like. And then everybody sort of fell into having issues with foods and all these other stuff. And now we have, instead of just (laughs) very skinny people in the media, we have over the top sexual activity in the media, which again, there's no problem with being sexually liberated. But I think that when all these coming of age films and TV shows happen in high school rather than college, you're seeing underage people partaking in activities that aren't necessarily even legal for underage people to be partaking in. And so there's this constant peer pressure in the media because of this. And this is why I think that the music artists that we're going to be speaking about later, it's so incredible that they're empowering themselves sexually in the way that they are because it's very different than the way that sexual liberation is being seen on TV screens or on movie screens where these high schoolers are being above and beyond. Like you're seeing artists like Billie Eilish not sexualizing herself until she's of age. You're seeing artists like Megan Thee Stallion who's like, I have sex because it makes me feel good. Like I do this because it's about me. It's not about anybody else. Whereas I feel like a lot of these teen dramas and stuff are like you're doing it to please other people and what you said a minute ago about eating disorders is very real because this task force also outlines some of the consequences of objectification and so the task force that we mentioned also called out some of these consequences of objectification in their research and there's things like undermining a person's confidence or comfort with their own body leading to emotional and self-image problems body shame anxiety then there's mental health problems most commonly diagnosed within girls such as eating disorders low self-esteem depression or depressed mood and then there's also consequences within sexual development in which research suggests that sexualization of girls has negative consequences on girls ability to develop a healthy sexual self-image and then also i found this idealized narrow ideals of female sexual attractiveness make it difficult for some men to find acceptable partners or to fully enjoy 
enjoy intimacy with female partners. And I thought this was really interesting because I think especially, maybe this is relatable to some of you all, but like the past year of the pandemic and being at home and spending a lot of time on TikTok, I feel like has really warped my sense and maybe some of y'all relate to this too, but my sense of what beauty is and like what normal bodies are because constantly seeing like very thin people or like very thin noses, very high cheekbones, very big lips is really messing with my brain. And when you go in the real world, you realize that not a lot of people actually look like that. And so to me, this was kind of the same thing of, you know, in this example, if men are constantly seeing, if teen boys are constantly seeing women looking one type of way, they think like that's the ideal woman and there's consequences for them too. But I think this also leads into men's aggression towards women if they don't look like this or if they don't submit to their beck and call or what they want to do sexually then it leads to violence against women 100 and i mean i found this one article that was on the public library of science that has like 300 authors so <laughs> i can't even tell you where it's actually from but it'll be linked in the show notes that was basically saying that like we find that women perceived as more open to casual sex are attributed less mental capacity and less moral status. We also find that participants tend to associate attractiveness with greater mental and moral status in women, but we find only limited evidence that perceived age influences objectification. Our findings suggest that although positive attractiveness biases may mitigate the amount a woman is objectified, greater female objectification may be prompted by observers, negative stereotypes of promiscuous women. So it's like the hotter you are, the less of a moral slut you're viewed as (laughs) by the people who who are deciding how hot you are. But if you appear to be more open to sex, then your moral rankings go down. Essentially, if you're less attractive and sleep around, you're like the least moral. If you're attractive and sleep around, you're like middle moral. And if you're attractive and, and I'm saying conventionally attractive, right? If you're attractive and don't sleep around, you're like the highest moral standard. It's just so funny because if you think about this in regards to like a scale or a line graph or something, the X and Y axes make absolutely like don't really make any sense. And it's just really frustrating because it's like so many things negate other things. And these psychologists are trying to prove a point that there is a problem with the way that women are viewed by men and also by other women. But at the same time, it's like you're saying it's psychologically proven that this can never be stopped. (laughs) and that men are always going to be objectifying women and it's just so frustrating because I feel like it's been proven by so many artists and just so many people that I don't know if I've become a raging feminist or just a bisexual in that it's like when, when I see other women dressed sexy I'm not seeing them and being like oh they're asking for it oh they're trying to get fucked tonight I see them and I'm like oh that girl feels good in herself and I just want to tell her how incredible she looks and that she's doing amazing and that she should keep doing amazing because she's empowered but men see that and they're like oh she's trying to be fucked and it's like why why can we not dress sexy like all men wear are like t-shirts that are too big on them and dumb pants and it's like why why when girls have so many options for clothes that make us feel good within ourselves there's so many things that are like no no clothes i just don't fucking understand it like there's so many boxes you have to tick to be an acceptable woman in society and none of this psychology made me feel any better 
The same study you just mentioned went on to say women who appear sexualized, i.e. more tightly fitted, revealing or provocative clothing, greater application of cosmetics in particular are objectified more than non-sexualized women. And I think this is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast of a lot of pop stars wear bodysuits. A lot of pop stars wear extreme makeup on stage. Even in the Britney Christina episode we just did, we talked about Christina and Britney saying that like when they're on stage, it's a costume they're performing. You know, we talked about Little Mix and how when they were on a TV show that was for the general public, they were covered up. And then once they became adults and they were not on the TV show anymore, they started showing off their bodies and they were slut shamed for it. And so this is like that reoccurring theme that we see no matter what. And, you know, especially also, you know, with Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B and WAP, stuff like that, where they're showing off because they want to show off, because they want to own it. The psychology is saying that these women are going to be more objectified than someone like Missy Elliott, who's not wearing bodysuits. Yeah, I mean, in the Missy Elliott example, and like just to compare apples to apples, it's like she, throughout her career, wore tracksuits, oversized sportswear sort of things similar to what we've seen Billie Eilish wear but Missy Elliott according to the general public and like we were saying before because Missy Elliott isn't quote-unquote conventionally attractive she doesn't fit within the Eurocentric beauty standards she's not objectified there aren't like when's Missy Elliott gonna wear a dress to a award show like when are we gonna see Missy Elliott's thick bod whereas with Billie Eilish the constant thing is like when's Billie Eilish gonna show us her tits when are we gonna see what Billie Eilish's arms look like when are we gonna see her curves we know she has them so it's always these narratives of like if you're not fitting within the conventional beauty standards you're safe from being sexualized to a degree and so it's just frustrating that you can't exist as a quote-unquote conventionally beautiful woman without people objectifying you no matter what you're wearing no matter what you're doing but you also see this in like as Jenna was saying Christina Aguilera has had said that the outfits she wears on stage are a costume and Britney has said the same thing but then when you see them out in their real life when you get paparazzi shots of them wearing comfortable clothes or other things it's like oh Britney Spears is dressing down or like oh Kylie Jenner is seen out in a pajama set could she be pregnant and it's like <laughs> why why the second that they're not dressed in their social media costume or their stage costume or their persona look all of a sudden the lens is shifted and it's like oh they're not being sexual right now so we have to make them feel bad and it's like you can never fucking win well I think I mean that can also be said for people like Missy Elliott and maybe even for people like Lizzo who don't fit into conventional thinness or conventional curves or conventional attractiveness and when we say conventional a lot of it is the Eurocentric beauty standards right and especially with black women and like I think we we touched on this briefly in our past episode but like there's this mammification thing where like you know if we look back to the context of American slavery black women were treated very differently than white women and you have black women who were over sexualized and the heavier set black women were mammies quote unquote and that was their title and they were like the caretakers of the household and they were very non-sexualized they were like this woman is so thick she cannot be a sexual being because her purpose is just to serve us and be that mammy character and so I think you have those opposite sides of how black women are portrayed still coming into today whereas white women they were covered up they were respected they were like not sexualized because they were the ones who were 
you know, saved for marriage, all this stuff. So we see how these different dynamics of these different portrayals of women, even from then to now, are still influencing the way that we perceive and objectify women today. So this is what I mean when I say that people like Missy Elliott or Lizzo aren't being sexualized in the same way that someone like Megan Thee Stallion is. And Megan Thee Stallion is not being sexualized in the same way that Billie Eilish is because of these underlying things in the difference of their perceived body types and their perceived moral status that's associated with that. You pulled a really interesting article, actually, from this site called Wear Your Voice. They're quoting an interview from People TV with Jermaine Dupri, who's a rapper. And he basically was making some really sideways remarks about women in rap and hip hop music. And I mean, as most people know, who even are just casual hip hop or rap listeners, like when men rap, they very much are overly sexualizing women, very much objectifying them and that sort of thing. And basically what he was saying is that their music sounds like strippers rapping and that all they talk about is their pussy and club hopping. But when you think in context to men rapping and then you have with my limited rap knowledge, all I can think of in response to that is and then you have like 50 Cent with Candy Shop, which obviously was very big when I was like in middle school, I think, and is literally singing about male oral sex. But the second that women rappers are singing about female oral sex, it becomes this whole other thing because then you'll have in the same context little Kim's song How Many Licks which came out in 2000 which is about female oral sex and there was a lot of brouhaha about that song coming out and people being like why is she singing about this why are women singing about having sex like it's something that's enjoyable because especially in the early 2000s women were very much viewed as somebody that sex is done to instead of having sex with them it's like that thing of like oh I'm going to fuck you not like oh we're going to fuck and thankfully the language has very much changed but also in the same context when WAP came out you still had people being like why are they singing about enjoying sex this makes me very uncomfortable with that being said this author Ro Carson continues on to say this idea that women talking about their pussy proves a lack of lyrical ability speaks to another heteronormative falsehood that cis women are passive participants in sex with cis men and so basically what they're saying is is that like lust is reserved for men it asserts that the allure heterosexual men feel for women is steeped in conquering and pursuing a humbled woman and women who rap about sex pose a challenge to that accepted norm because they defy being accessible to their misogynistic lens and rules for sexual expression. And I feel like that's the constant theme throughout this whole discussion of sexualization of women, of women leaning into being comfortable, showing off their bodies and being sexual creatures is that the world is kind of viewed through a misogynistic lens because that's really what's happening is like the patriarchy is steeped in misogyny and it's what I've said in past episodes we're all born with this misogynistic bias like we all have internalized misogyny and you have to learn to not have it it's the same thing of how all white people have internalized racism no matter how anti-racist no matter how much of an ally you think you are you have to unlearn all these things and it's a constant thing that you're unlearning and so it's the same theme in all of this is that there's just so much misogyny in modern culture and in modern media and it's so hard to escape this idea that women are objects for men to win and lust after this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, and so this quote is saying, like, these women, so if we're using, like, WAP as an example, and Little Kim also as an example, are defying that idea that women exist to be controlled, to have sex done to them. And in doing so, women are flipping the narrative, and they're saying, no, I have sex. Sex is something I do, not that is done to me. And that's them empowering themselves. And I think where the conversation gets murky for some people is they're like, well, why does it have to be so sexual? It's like, because this is it. We've been sexualized our whole lives. It's never not going to be sexual. So this truly is the only way that we're ever going to have any power is by women owning their sexuality, women doing things like this because they feel comfortable doing it, because they want to do it, because no matter what, at the end of the day, objectification is going to happen. So like while we were doing research, I saw a really interesting graphic of like a seesaw where like one side is objectification and one side is empowerment and like who holds the power. So like if the person who is empowering themselves has the power, they own the power, people are still going to look at them through objectified lenses, but they don't have the power and vice versa. If someone like Billie Eilish, who's covering up, who's not trying to sexualize herself, everyone else has the power because they're objectifying her in a matter what but in a way billy also had the power because billy was like you can try but you don't really know what i'm getting from what you're saying and i feel like we've had this conversation before is it's like because we live in a patriarchy the men always think that they're winning so when women objectify themselves men are like oh we've won they're doing what we want and when women yeah. don't and then they complain or they make statements especially in the case of billy eilish who was hiding her body for so long because she was underage and because she didn't want to be sexualized they're like we know you're thick under there so it doesn't matter and so then when she's making comments being like they're gonna sexualize me no matter what they're like haha we won because she knows what we're doing so one day she's gonna fall into our hand but the thing is and the thing that I've really learned this past year thankfully because of TikTok is like I've come across a lot of people who work in the sex working field who work as strippers who work on OnlyFans that's their living and they have no problem with doing these things and there is absolutely like the stigma around sex work is a whole other conversation and it's fucking ridiculous because people I mean it's been proven from science women used to go to doctors to get off because it was causing hysteria it's a completely normal human want to have sex you know and so because of this it's like men think like oh because sex workers exist men win but a lot of these strippers and people who work on OnlyFans have made these statements of being like I'm in control I give them access to my body I'm the one being like you can have access to this but you can't have access to that I'm not going to take your money if you're trying to be like oh let me have sex with you no you get a lap dance no you get this you get that I'm not giving you all of me because I still have that control and so it's this thing where if we continue letting men think that we win that's how we take over the world (laughs) 
<laughs> because we're in control and they don't think that we are. And I think that that's the one understanding that I've gotten from all of this, even if they're not saying it. It's like reading in between the lines of these things where a lot of it is like women dress more sexual or in the case, especially with like Megan the Stallion, she is confident and she's assured in herself and she's commanding of attention. And she's like, I have sex because I like having sex. Nobody else is in control of this. And she's singing songs about enjoying sex and enjoying being a sexual being. And men are like, Haha, we won. And it's like, you think you won. But this woman is fully in her power. And it's this weird thing where men view sex as a conquest. Men view having sex as something to be won. Men view getting a woman in bed as a victory for themselves. And it's like, women fucking enjoy sex too. Women enjoy being sexually liberated. And it's this very confusing conversation where because of the sexual liberation movement, it's like the patriarchy thinks that it's one because women are less like, oh no, I can't have sex. But it's like, how do men think that they've won when women are getting what they want for once and not feeling shamed for it? So I think what you said about the sex workers is really interesting and it's really cool to hear directly from them and going along with that, like even in WAP, they're rapping, ask for a car while you ride that dick. You really ain't never got to fuck with him for a thing. He already made up his mind before he came. And then she goes on to say, pay me my tuition, just kiss me. Okay, so basically, like, this is kind of, like, the same thing of in this song. Megan Thee Stallion is saying, yeah, you're in control here. If you want to ask for money, if you want to ask for a car, you can do it. And that's not to say that every sexual interaction has to have some sort of monetary exchange, but it's just going to point out how women are in power in this situation. Yeah, and I think that that's also seen in the situations where there's kinks of men wanting women to like degrade them and want them to make them spend money on them and all of this sorts of stuff. So men literally get off on women being in power in these sexual situations. I just feel like the patriarchy is bullshit. And like if men were just allowed to be more in touch with their feelings and be allowed to be more comfortable in exploring things that the world would be a much more comfortable place. But I mean, also just in speaking about strippers being empowered, I mean, Cardi B was a stripper and she doesn't shy away from the fact that she was a stripper. It's part of who she is. So you have her on like evening talk shows with like Jimmy Fallon and people who like should not be talking about strippers having to engage with Cardi B while she's being empowered in her sexuality and it's just so fun watching these men who just don't have the chutzpah to like be confident in their sexuality talking to women who are so confident in their sexuality and it's just like really incredible to watch because men are like they're scared and it's honestly empowering to see somebody who is just so in touch with their sexuality and themselves as an empowered woman making men kind of squirm, but also having those men having to engage with them on these conversations. And the fact that Cardi B does sing about enjoying sex and what her sex life is like and all of these sorts of things, it's really incredible. And I think it's really necessary in music for there to be artists who are erasing the idea of objectification because while reviewers and critics will insinuate that these women are objectifying themselves, they're not like why is it when women sing about sex is objectification but when men sing about sex they're just singing about sex you know so 
Okay. Okay. A few things going off what you said. Number one, and one of the researchers we pulled is called sexualizing media use and self-objectification. And they specifically look at what self-objectification is in which they says it includes societal pressures to create, present, maintain, and always improve an attractive appearance. And so it goes beyond just sexual acts themselves. And they also say that the sexualized body becomes an object that is disciplined, manipulated, and scrutinized by others. And while that may be true, I find using the term self-objectification has a very specific meaning. It means that all these men are objectifying me and I'm also doing it to myself. But empowerment is the same thing, but entirely different connotation of all these men might be objectifying me, but that's okay because I'm going to own it and that's empowerment. And so self-objectification has a very negative connotation to it, whereas empowerment is the exact opposite of it. And that's why I was getting so mad about the psychology stuff is because they kept being like oh it's self-objectification and it's like why are you not psychologically looking at it like turn the mirror on it and view Mm -hmm. it as empowerment instead like why is it a negative and so going back to the idea of modeling and the idea of young girls seeing things because a lot of people say like oh this WAP song how could this be a role model for young girls blah 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 blah. actually it's very empowering I'm like age limits I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's another conversation. But in general, as you said, Sarah, like you said this, seeing women like Cardi B be so empowered and so confident talking about her sexuality, it's the same modeling thing of we look at that and we're like, yes, I want to be like that. That's a great role model Mm -hmm. for me to like then empower myself. I think that's also why with the intersectional feminist conversation that we're having today, and I said this before, but we're now the farthest along in this conversation that we've ever been, right? Every day, that somebody's fighting for this we get further along in the conversation so now we're at this point where there are women like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion on these pedestals with huge platforms who are sharing this message it's spreading around to more people and while there is backlash it's also available for more people to then empower themselves and that is why the white patriarchy wants to control them because they want to control women and they don't want women to empower themselves and that's why the white patriarchy is mad 100 and I think also not every person has to be a role model for people under the age of 18 like there are role models specifically for young people you know like I looked up to different people when I was a kid than I looked up to when I was a teenager than I looked up to than I was when I was in my early 20s and then I look up to now that's why we had Radio Disney that's why we have the Disney Channel that's why we have things specifically made for children so that they can view content in a way that's acceptable for their malleable brains because a 12 year old doesn't need to feel sexually liberated it's okay for them to learn that sex is not something to be afraid of like a virginity is a construct they should learn about that stuff and I'm not saying that Cardi B is a bad role model for kids I don't think that that's the case but I think that there's content that's age appropriate for different people and I don't think that that takes away from just how empowering and how much of a role model people like Megan Thee Stallion or Lil Kim or Cardi B can be because they're doing incredible things for people in their same age range they're changing the narrative and they're making girls feel less icky about things that the patriarchy have made girls feel icky about and even that psychology has made girls feel icky about because when you're taught in school or whatever the things that you were reading in these psychological articles like there was this other article called do self-objectified women believe themselves to be free sexual objectification and belief in personal free will it's a psychological report that was done in italy and this article this article
article really frustrated me because basically what they were saying is that it was found that recalling an objectifying situation leads women to see themselves as less human and less moral and that they found that objectification elicits sinful feelings in female victims. In a study done in 2013, women believed that they were interacting with a male partner via an online chat and depending on the condition received comments focused on their physical appearance or on their general character. The results showed that comments about physical appearance led women to experience greater sinful feelings and a greater perception of dirtiness. And I don't like this. And I feel like it's frustrating that psychology is going through this viewpoint of things being sinful because also it's dependent on your personal view of what being viewed as a sexual being is. Because if you're raised a certain way, then obviously being objectified is going to feel sinful. But like sinful in my mind connotates with like religious upbringing. And I feel like religion and psychology shouldn't really be mixing in that way. But also if a stranger commented on my physical appearance in a way that I didn't think was a compliment, I would be more so disappointed in themselves that they don't respect themselves enough to respect women. Then I would be upset with myself for dressing in a way to have people say things to me because honestly, you could be wearing anything and if you have a certain body shape or just even like your face looks a certain way, people are going to objectify you no matter what. Honestly, if you just have a body and you're on the street, people are going to catcall you. So I think this research report that you were talking about, Sarah, it's under the guise that women want to not be sexually liberated. Does that make sense? Like women who see sex as shameful would probably have this type of reaction. But women who don't see sex as shameful probably wouldn't have this type of reaction. And I think consent also plays a big role in this and the degree of what is going on. But because we've evolved, because we were we're having more progressive conversations, a lot of women have been able to change their viewpoints on that and wouldn't necessarily feel sinful. And it is kind of disappointing to see that this research came out in 2019. Yeah, and that it was written by four women and two men. I would like to have some words with these psychologists and the way that, because this is the thing we talk about with the media is like words have so much meaning and so much ingrained connotation, context, positive, negative attitudes in the words themselves. And that's what I was just saying about the last one with self-objectification. And that's what we're saying with this one about free will and sinful feelings is these words have certain connotations mm-hmm. beyond just a positive or negative. And the psychologist choosing to use these types of words has implications also. It's just the constant repetition of women being second class citizens compared to men. It's just like men can do whatever the fuck they want and nobody is really saying anything mean about it. You know, nobody's really attacking them for it. Men don't have to worry about being catcalled. Even if they dress nice, they don't have to worry about being catcalled. Whereas women, there's just this constant fear and all this stuff. And it's like the only way to get rid of that fear and the only way to change things is to be empowered in your body and be comfortable understanding that you because you were born in a female body are viewed as a sexual object and once you're like aware that that's a thing and you're like okay people are going to objectify me no matter what I can be sexy if I want I don't have to be sexy no matter how I dress some man is going to say something that makes me want to bottle him (laughs) it doesn't matter if you're wearing a trash bag 
or you're wearing a bikini down the streets of Manhattan, some man is going to make a comment that's going to make you want to push him down a manhole. Like it's just going to happen. And once you're aware of that, you have the choice and then you become liberated in a lot of ways. And we see this constantly, especially in music. And I feel like that's what's so empowering and why so many people are drawn to musicians as people that they look up to as their role models as these things because you have artists like Janet Jackson who found a way to be sexy that she felt confident in. You have little Kim showing up to award shows in that iconic purple number where she's literally just one boob has a pasty on, you know? And she looks incredible and so confident and so comfortable and never once is there an image or a glimpse of little Kim at that award show where little Kim looks like she's afraid of what she's wearing, you know? Because that's the thing is it's like you just have to own it and be okay with it. But if you are personally like struggling with the idea of I'm in a female body, I don't want to be objectified, but I want to dress how I want to dress. Just go look to these women in hip hop. Just go watch a couple videos, read like one interview because these are the most empowered fucking women I've ever come across. It can change your viewpoint in like three seconds because you just realize that it's all fucking farce. Like the patriarchy is bullshit. As I said, earlier these men if they didn't have us what would they do because as jenna said they pay money to go to strip clubs they pay money to have only a fans accounts they have money to get porn without commercials like they pay money to watch women engage in sexual acts or to engage in sexual acts with women or to just like feel close to a woman like you have sugar babies you know like you're literally paid to go out on dates with them yes of course there's like still sexual connotations involved but women are sought after and that is why we are objectified it's to make us feel smaller so that we don't realize that we are in the power yes 100 percent, absolutely amen episode over <laughs> mic drop <laughs> okay so going off of this the article that we were really mad about because of them talking about sinful things they do also point out from their research that by increasing the self-perception of being powerful agents it also increases feelings of empowerment. And so basically seeing empowered people, seeing people talk about being empowered is essentially the opposite of like the negative feelings of being objectified. And so again, I'm going to go back to this idea that it's that model projection of seeing them be empowered makes me feel empowered. And that's why this is so important. And I do also want to point out that, you know, when we talk about women in hip hop, as Sarah said, you know, our knowledge isn't as high as it is with a pop field, but it is very obvious that the way women are talked about within hip hop is very different. And as Sarah pointed out earlier, there's a lot more like sexually degrading, sexually vulgar lyrics within hip hop coming from male artists. And so black women in particular, women who are within the hip hop sphere are dealing with a whole different layer and levels of sexism. And because of this, they almost have to be even stronger and they have to like stand up even taller, even louder, be so loud about their empowerment that no no one can even doubt it for a second. And so that's why WAP is such a prime example of this, of this empowerment, why we keep coming back to it. And women within the hip hop sphere are doing so much to move this conversation forward for all the other women. Whether or not you personally want to dress sexy, you cannot deny the fact that women in hip hop are doing so much for all women in general. I think that's really important to recognize. And I also think Billie Eilish with what she's done with 
choosing to cover her body. She's not the first person to wear tracksuits. She's not the first woman to wear tracksuits. But I think that in a way was really powerful for a lot of teen girls and also just not even teen girls, just women in general, women who don't feel like showing their body, women who don't feel like people having them stare at their body. Some days I wear baggy stuff because that's how I feel. Some days I show off, you know, but like Billie Eilish did a lot with her platform because she was so big to help normalize covering up your body too. So there was this really incredible article on the BBC's site written by Arwa Hader in 2020 called From Like a Virgin to WAP, the truly provocative pop songs. And she spoke with this singer-songwriter called, probably going to butcher this, so I apologize in advance, but Shingai Shaniwa, who fronts the band The Noisettes. And they were saying that there's still a whiff of post-colonialism in the commercial industry. And they went on to say that every corporate machine is going to encourage black and brown bodies to be hypersexualized in pop music, often for a short-lived moment of success and not to the financial benefit of these women. It means you have this conveyor belt of forgotten female talent. And that really hit me because as you all know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while like I work in entertainment media and I have a history of working in the photo department at like tabloids essentially and so there's so many stories of like Nicki Minaj is feuding with Cardi B or like Nicki Minaj like and it's always Nicki Minaj like (laughs) Nicki Minaj is always the villain in all these stories of her feuding with somebody else in hip-hop and I think it's because Nicki Minaj has had so much longevity in a genre where female artists don't tend to have that much longevity and so she's viewed as this person that needs to be taken down a peg but it's almost impossible because Nicki Minaj is one of the like most sought after feature artists in like all of music in every genre of music and so you have these things where we're also starting to see more women supporting women in music and trying to not have these things where when they do say they're feuding, a lot of the times they'll come out and be like, that's literally not what's happening. And so I think that as women become more street smart in the way that the media works and the way that the music industry works and pitting us against each other, as well as becoming more empowered in their bodies and themselves as humans and people who should be viewed as a human, not as a object we're going to stop seeing these issues because we're starting to take a stand where it's like I don't want to be hyper sexualized I just want to be confident and empowered and I feel like Megan the Stallion is really really doing that and I mean you have these instances where both Janet Jackson and Lil Kim are very important to the women's empowerment movement to the forward momentum of the way that women are viewed in music but they're both overshadowed in a lot of ways and for Janet Jackson you just have people constantly citing Madonna because Madonna is a white woman and that's more palatable to the general public. And then in Lil' Kim's sense, she was written off a lot because she was in a relationship with Biggie and she was signed by Biggie. And so therefore her career was looked down upon because it's like, is she talented or is she just fucking the boss? And so you have these things where their steps forward are negated because of either somebody else doing something somewhat similar at the same time as them or because of who they're connected to and because of at the time it still was very much like if you seem to be connected to a man in power then oh you can't really be that talented can you but really you could argue that Lil Kim was using that help from Biggie 
to promote her message to more people. So even though people tried to tie it back to, oh, she was just doing this, a man was helping her, blah, 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 blah. Even though people tried to degrade her for her connection to Biggie, you could also argue that little Kim was using that connection to reach more people. It's just business smarts, really, if you think about it. But of course, it's always going to have the patriarchal twist on things. So this is another one of those conversations where there's not really any conclusion to it, but it is a topic that continuously needs to be brought to the forefront, needs to be acknowledged, and needs to be discussed because we can change the narrative from objectification to empowerment if we just keep doing it. And while that's not necessarily an answer, because it's still the same things that are happening, but instead we're in control instead of the men being in control, it does make things feel safer and more comfortable for women going forward, I think, in the conversation of sexuality. Yeah. I mean, overall, you know, Sarah, sometimes we say at the end of these conversations, like sometimes things seem bleak. I don't feel that way. I feel like this conversation was a really great way to realize what empowerment actually is because this is something we've grappled with a Mm -hmm. lot over the course of our podcast of what actually is empowerment. When are women being empowered? And I think now through all this psychology that we've been reading, we and this conversation, we can realize like, no, we are empowered. Women are doing this. Women are out there representing. Pop stars are out there. Hip hop artists are out there representing for all women. I actually feel really positive coming away from this. I mean, I completely agree. I think that I definitely feel better after having this conversation with you because I think while I was reading this, I was really frustrated with a lot of the language used in the psychology. But I think when we put the feminist lens on things rather than the patriarchal lens that is always constantly in most of literature, I think that it really shifts the conversation into realizing that empowerment is really having its heyday right now and it's really exciting and it's really positive and great, I think, for women because we have this chance to have these awesome role models who are just confident in themselves and working to like erase the shame around being a sexual being because humans and dolphins are the only mammals that have sex for fun so (laughs) so there's a fun fact of the day but i completely agree with with all of it and it makes me even more as we said in the beginning of this episode with this being our year anniversary it makes me feel even more proud and happy to have you guys along this journey with us because you guys are thinking critically you guys are learning to empower yourselves also no matter what your gender is Mm -hmm. this is for everyone right this is liberating for all of us and empowering for all of us because as we know the patriarchy likes to beat down anyone who doesn't confine to their gold standard so yeah i'm just like really happy and excited that all of you are along for the ride with us my question for you guys since you have been giving us such good feedback lately is are there any other artists who are really empowered in themselves and are really i guess sticking it to the man is the best way to put it but really just like defying the expected norms for what should be that you think we should have our eye on and that we should be paying attention to because I mean we're just two women with day jobs we don't get that much joy from who are trying to help change the music industry and trying to help change people's views on what's going on and just broaden the conversation and so if you can help broaden our minds and broaden the conversation more 
We would appreciate that so much. So come hit us up on social media. You can find us at Name Three Songs on Instagram or Twitter and just tell us your faves. Like we will read all of the books. We will do all the things and you can help us continue to read all the books and do all the things by also joining us on Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash Name Three Songs. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs and thanks for joining us this past year on Name Three Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Little Kim. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode, you can visit namethroughsongs.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.